Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. We know it's getting harder and harder to find anything, really, that everyone agrees on. You have a hard time deciding the sky's blue uh, based on where you live and your political affiliation and all of those kinds of things. Uh, but we have actually found a few areas where the nation seems to be united and actually agree. And this is really interesting to me. Uh, some new polling that's just come out has found that people on the right, on the left, and in the center strongly oppose cancel culture. Uh, that's good news. The bad news is if we really do agree on that, why is it still happening and why is it still inhibiting some really important good conversations from moving forward? Now, I want to start this segment by uh, going to some sound from journalist Barry Weiss, of course, who very abruptly left the New York Times. She appeared on CNN last week, and she was uh, making the case of cancel culture and, and what is going on out there. And, and she got some pushback uh, with uh, Brian uh, Stetler, who was the, the host of the program, uh, over this issue of cancel culture. They were kind of going back and forth. He argued that people are free to express themselves. Uh, And he said, like you, (laughs) talking to Barry Weiss, uh, saying you're doing it right now. And she had a really interesting uh, response to that pushback. Touching your finger to an increasing number of subjects that have been deemed third rail by the Mm. mainstream institutions and increasingly by some of the tech companies will lead to reputational damage, perhaps you losing your job, um, your children sometimes being demonized as well. And so what happens is a kind of internal self-censorship. This Mm. is something that I saw over and over again when I was at the New York Times. People saying to themselves, you know what? Why should I die on that hill? Why should I take the three or four weeks that it takes to smuggle through an op-ed that doesn't suit the conventional narrative? I might as well commission the 5,000th op-ed saying that Donald Trump is a moral monster. What's going on is the transformation of these sense-making institutions of American life. It's the news media, it's the publishing houses, it's the Hollywood studios, it's our universities, and they are narrowing in a radical way what's acceptable to say and what isn't. There really is this cancel culture, even though the vast number of Americans uh, don't like it and don't want it and think we should get rid of it. And yet it still happens. And often what is happening, uh, the way Barry Weiss described it, is 
for a, a journalist or for someone to say, hey, you know, should, is this really the hill I want to die on? So should I pursue that story that doesn't meet a certain narrative? Uh, is this something I should publish or is this going to ruin my job, my career, my reputation? Am I going to be canceled? Uh, and so often what happens is we, we end up self-censoring, which is also a dangerous space for us to in, uh, enter into as a society. As I mentioned, there's some new polling out. We're actually going to have a guest on this tomorrow uh, that uh, a large number uh, of Americans, uh, 42% of likely voters in this country, uh, are hesitant to share either their beliefs or their uh, opinions publicly. And a full one-third of Americans, again, across the political spectrum, fear losing their jobs due to their beliefs or their opinions about uh, something in society or politically. And and so those are interesting numbers to me uh, and worrisome numbers. If if almost half of Americans say, you know, I just kind of self-censor because I don't want to deal with the fallout. I don't want to say something, uh, even if it's what I believe. I don't want to say it because I might get in trouble for it. Or someone might interpret it wrong, and then I get canceled, or I get ostracized, or I get fired from my job. Uh, and so this is this is part of a really interesting conversation and discussion that we have to get to. Uh, I mentioned that I, I listened to uh, Justice Clarence Thomas on Friday night, uh, and he talked about this uh, quite a bit in terms of his fear that if the cancel culture becomes so strong that suddenly we're all self-canceling ourselves... We stop being curious, we stop being open, we stop engaging in real debate on critical issues, then what? And especially if we stop doing that in our schools and on college campuses, uh, Justice Thomas said, then where are you going to learn that? Where are you going to learn to have the difficult conversation when you get into community or you get into business and society uh, or into government? Uh, and so this whole idea around cancel culture and this self-censorship, and it's almost an expected self-censorship. You, you're not going to say anything, right? Uh, because you don't want the backlash. Uh, that's where we really get in trouble as a society. We'll step aside for some bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Zed Jelani is going to join us. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.